Okay, grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis, the book of Genesis. We're in chapter 26 this morning. We are tight on time, so you need to, uh, I don't know, get your game face on. Maybe, uh, I don't know, we're just gonna go fast, okay? You can learn slow or you can learn fast. Decide you're going to learn fast this morning. Let's pray. We're going to trust the Lord to help us and, and then we're going to get to work. Genesis chapter 26. Father, God, thank you so much uh, for the, just the, the privilege to be able to praise you and worship you together, to be able to, to hear the testimony of our sister. And, and Lord, you're worthy. You're worth being right with. You're worthy to follow according to your word. And so, God, this morning, help us to attend on your word. Help us not to, the, the pictures, the principles, the precepts that we're going to see this morning, help us to not just explain them away in terms of their rule over our life, but Lord, help us to be thoughtful, to, to be truthful, uh, to be determined, to live out what your word declares. God, we want to trust you for the reality of your word in our life, and so we ask for your help this morning in Jesus' name, amen. So in Genesis chapter 26, we're going to just right out of the chute, we're going to see another round of deception. That's the first blank in your notes. Uh, Genesis 26 verse 1, Isaac in a way follows, in a, it's, it's uncanny how he follows in the footsteps of his father. This is typical. Verse 1 says, there was a famine in the land and beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac... History now repeats itself. Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. Now this is not the same Abimelech here in chapter 26 that we saw in chapter 20. We saw an Abimelech there, okay? It's 100 years later now. What Abimelech is is a title for these Philistine kings. It's a, it's a, it's a compound word, Abi, Abimi, right? Abi is father, Melech is king. And so this is another Abimelech, uh, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared unto him, unto Isaac, and said, Go not down into Egypt. Ah, that's where he was heading. So Genesis chapter 12 was on repeat, and God shuts him down. Go not into Egypt. Dwell in the land. Don't go down like your father did. Don't go down backsliding, not trusting me for provision in a time of famine. No, no, no. You stay in the land. Dwell in the land, which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee. Go no further than Gerir. I will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So again, in verses three and four here, we're seeing God's command again. What he commands Abraham, he also promises, uh, you know, he commands Abraham, he gives him promises. Now the same thing's happening, the exact same command, the exact same promises are given to Isaac, his son. Verse five, mom, dad, notice that you can bless your future generations. Isaac is receiving a blessing from the Lord because of something that his father did. Look at verse five. You can bless your future generations. How do you do that? Well, here's what you do. God says, you do this, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna make you, you stay in the land, Isaac. I'm gonna make of you a mighty nation, why? Well, because your father. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. 
Man, in other words, you can face this famine because I'm with you just like I was with your father Abraham. So the Lord is confirming this Abrahamic covenant to Isaac. Uh, We give you the cross references in your notes, his presence, his blessing, possession of the land, Um, posterity, numerous as the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky for multitude, and the cross references are there for you. Now, notice verse five. You're blessed because of who? Because of your father Abraham. Why? Well, because of who Abraham was. That word my appears five times in verse five because we have a voice from the Lord. Abraham, he heard the voice of the Lord, so he submitted to it. We have his charge to be kept. Abraham didn't just keep the charge of the Lord, but he also commanded his children after him. This is why he was a friend of God. We have his commandments to be obeyed, his statutes to be loved, right, and his laws to be followed. Abraham did that, and so not only was he blessed, but those after him were blessed as well. Verse six, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So mom, dad, you can be a blessing to your children by your obedience. I mean, you take the word of, mom, dad, you take the word of God seriously. You live it out in your home. You speak to your children about why you're living the way that you're living, because the word of God says what it says. God is who he is, and he has what? A voice that we must take heed and obey, right? He has a voice that must be submitted to. He has a charge, a commandment, statutes and laws that are worth applying to our life. And so your kids need to see that. Now, conversely to point number two, you can be a blessing to your children. You can also pass your mess on to your children. And that's what we're gonna see in the very next verse. Get this down in your notes. Famine and fear drive Isaac to repeat the sins of his father. So, in, he, you know, Gerar is a, is a waypoint. You know, Isaac was headed to Egypt until God forbade him. He said, go no further. Gerar was on the border between the promised land, uh, the Canaan land. Here, it's a, it's a Philistine territory and the border of Egypt in verse six. And so what's happening? There's a famine in the land. God's not providing for me the way that I feel like he ought to. And so what am I doing? I'm running to Egypt. I'm running to the world. I'm running to man for help. And any time we're not trusting in the Lord, you know, we, when we trust in the Lord, our heart is full of faith, not fear. When we're trusting in man, man's ways are movable. Of course, there's going to be a little fear. And that's the danger of running to man for help. We end up falling into fear. We must rely on the grace and the promises of God for our supply. I'm facing a hard time. I'm facing a trial. I'm facing a difficult situation. Is the answer to my problems what man can do for me? Now I'm full of fear, it's inevitable. Or am I full of faith? God is with me. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna trust him for the reality of his word over my life, and God's gonna make a way. So help me God by his grace, I'm moving forward in faith. Okay, that person who is in fear of the Lord, full of faith, they're not afraid of man. The one who is saying, I need help from man, well now you're kowtowing, (laughs) you know, you're, you're, you're placating, you're trying, to, you're trying to go along to get along, and, and all of a sudden you start compromising on the word of God over your life, and this is exactly what Isaac does. He runs to man for help, and now we find out Isaac is a chip off the old block. Look at verse seven. And the men of that place asked him of his wife, and he said, dun, 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 she's my sister. Ah, man. That's not his sister, that's Rebecca. The hottie is his wife. 
She is my sister, for, for he feared to say, she is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. Where did he get that idea to do that? She was fair to look upon, and it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw, behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his sister. No, it's his wife. He's sporting. Okay, so now, now you've got some insight into the King James English. Sporting with your wife. Yeah, it is what you think it is. Okay, so, and Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she is thy wife, and how saidst thou she is, thy, she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. Ah, oh. Isaac in your Bible is a great type of Christ. Do you see it? Uh, lest I die, you know, he, he's, he's not a perfect type of Christ, is he? <laughs> he's not. I was afraid to die for my wife. No, that's your role, bro. <laughs> that's, what you, that's your function. Isaac, this is, you, you lay down your life loving your wife. <sighs> because I said, lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, what is this that thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lined with thy, thy wife, and thou shouldest brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, he that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Okay, so where did Isaac come to think that this lie was a good idea? My wife is smoking hot, and I'm afraid I'm in a foreign land. I'm trying to get these guys to, to supply some food so that me and mine don't starve to death, and, and I gotta get along with these people, and, and what is the most valuable, th my wife is the best looking woman in the whole territory. Uh, they could kill me and just take her. I know what I'll do. I'll say she's my sister. That way everyone's sucking up to me in order to get on, you know, if they can get on my good side, maybe that will give them access to Rebecca. I mean, come on, what, where did he get this idea? So Abraham didn't tell the story of his life from the perspective of Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 20. Genesis 12 and 20 show the story from God's perspective. And from God's perspective, it's a lie and God gives rebuke to Abraham through lost kings. Lost men are telling Abraham, bro, that's messed up. Like, we're all heathens and we know better than this, okay? Lost kings are straightening Abraham out. And so somehow when, when Abraham's telling the story, that gets lost in the translation. So I, I wonder, did Abraham, did dad justify his actions to his son Isaac uh, here was a smart solution to a difficult problem. I just said your mom was my sister and, and I'm still breathing. Mm, that wasn't how we got the story in Genesis 12 and 20, was it? Abraham was rebuked in both cases. So, he's, so something happened that Isaac thought this was a just approach to a difficult problem. And the result, you know, Exodus 34, 7 talks about the iniquity of the fathers being visited upon the children and the children's children. At some point, some generation has to stand up and say, God's way is the best way. I'm not gonna live my life in a way that's compromising the word of God, the person of God, who God is in and over my life in order to get along with a lost and dying world. Now, I'm in the world, I'm not of it. Uh, I don't love the world system, but God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, God himself laid down his life in order to reach them. At some point, I gotta decide. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna live the way that the world lives, but I'm not gonna be afraid either. God's worthy, he's worth being right with, and his word over my life, 
I'm not gonna compromise it. At some point, some generation has to say, I'm done living what, a, a way or going a way that seems right unto me. And the end of those ways always end up being death. I mean, at some point, some generation has to say, from this point forward, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. I gotta decide, right? I'm not living my life the way my parents did. I'm living my life the way God, right? My, my, My spiritual father commands. That's a game changer. Now here's Isaac, Psalms 106, verse six is over his life. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Uh, So get this down in your notes. Don't miss this picture. Anytime you're walking the fence spiritually, it results in relational problems both with God and the world. You see that picture? Isaac isn't moving forward in faith and now he's making a mess in Abimelech's kingdom. Now he's in conflict with this lost king. In verses seven through 11, he's lying before the Lord. He's lying before his wife. He lies about Rebekah the babe. He learns it from Abraham. But while Abraham told a half-truth, Sarah was his half-sister. It was a, it was a half, when, when he says, she's, I mean, Sarah's my sister. It wasn't a lie, but it wasn't the whole truth, right? It's a half-truth. Can a half-truth be a whole lie? Absolutely, it was in Abraham's case. Bro, she ain't your sis anymore, that's your wife. And again, this is before the giving of the law we're still really close to the line of Noah, okay? Gene pool not diluted. With the giving of the law, you don't marry your near kin. Uh, at some point, you know, that, that's bad. You marry your near kin and there's genetic problems and, you know, disabilities follow. Okay, so, so Isaac's now telling a whole lie. Rebecca's not his sister. So beware, mom, dad, get this down, how you live and the excuses you make over how you live, what are you doing? You're sowing death into your children. Get this down, sin has the capacity to grow with each generation. Oh man, God forbid. I want my kids to walk before the Lord, to have a better walk before the Lord than I ever did. I don't want sin to grow with the next generation. I want sin to shrink. I want it to be more abhorred in the next generation. So mom, dad, just know it's easy. It's easier for your children to pick up and follow your failures than it is for them to pick up and follow your virtues. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna they, you know, kids see everything, they hear everything, and the excuses you make and the way that you live, they see it, they know what you're doing, and they're gonna follow suit. They're gonna follow what you model for them. So here we are again, history is repeating itself in verse 10, Abimelech, even this pagan king knew that adultery was a sin worth God's judgment. Like you, dude, you lied and someone could have taken your wife and, and lay with her and you would have, this would have been catastrophic for our kingdom. Even they knew it was a sin worthy of death. Anybody that touches this man or his wife, you're dead. Of a surety, you will die. So, so these, this heathen, this pagan king is more righteous than Isaac. So just as Isaac's forebearer, Abraham was rebuked by two pagan kings, now Isaac is getting the same treatment. And the danger for Isaac is in nullifying the promise of God for his marriage. See, in Isaac, God's gonna make of Abraham a mighty nation. Rebecca can't bear the child of some Philistine, she's gotta bear Isaac's child. 
So what's happening? The Genesis 3.15 prophecy of, this, of the coming skull crusher is on the line, and he's playing with that. Okay, so that's a, that's a terrible picture. Let me, let, let's look at a better picture, okay, from this passage. In verse six, God arrests Isaac and tells him, forbids him from going to Egypt. Why? Well, Egypt is a type of the world, and because Isaac is a type of Christ, remember, it's, we're past Genesis 22 now, so he's a type of the Lord Jesus, he's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ risen from the dead, isn't he? And so as a type of the risen savior, he's separate from the world and has nothing more to do with it. Isaac can't leave the land and go to Egypt. His people, think about Rebecca, Christ and his people, I mean Christ's people are in the world but separate from it. So his wife is separate from the world. The bride of Christ is separate from the world. We share a heavenly position with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1, we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. So Isaac doesn't dwell in Gerar, but think about this. While Sarah was taken into Abimelech's harem, she wasn't touched, but she was taken into his harem. Rebecca was not touched or taken from Isaac because Christ and his church are inseparable. Because of the picture, Rebecca cannot be separated from Isaac. Do you see that? We had a situation where Abraham's wife was separated from him for a season. Now, she was preserved, right? She was taken, but she wasn't touched. Um, Isaac is a type of Christ. His wife, they cannot be separated. You, well, that's, that's, that's true. We're part of the bride of Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. Uh, we're in the world. We're not of it. It cannot take us. It cannot touch us because of who we are in Christ. Man, that's so good to know that we're inseparable from the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? That was super weak. Uh, we're tight on time, so let me give you point number five as homework. Isaac's life absolutely parallels Abraham, and so I give you the steps and the cross-references. Uh, check it out, mom, dad, your children are following in your footsteps. Let that encourage you, but also let that terrify you, okay? you are modeling the path that they're gonna follow. Point number six, after rebuke, Isaac begins to move forward in faith. And this is the key, moving forward in faith is the place of God's blessing. Don't miss this picture, verse 12. Then Isaac, so after he gets rebuked, after he gets straightened out, here comes the blessing. You know, the correction yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, the Bible says. Verse 12 says, then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year an hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and a great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. So in verse 12, because God is now blessing him, he's moving forward again in faith, so his wealth increases. He reaps greatly because God greatly blesses him. Well, nothing changes. Everything that we're doing together in ministry, what are we doing? We're sowing the seed of God's word. Except the Lord blesses the work, there'll be no harvest, right? It pleases God to use us as a sower in the field, but we need the hand of God's blessing. We need God to shine his face on us so that we can be a blessing. Uh, everything that we're doing, you know, we can so quickly and so easily fall into 
like a trap of just going through the motion. Uh, you can read your Bible every day, you can say some prayers every day, you can attend services, but then no fruit come out of your life. Don't you know that that happens all over the world? People going through the motions of Christianity, they've got a form of godliness, but there's no reality, there's no power of God in their life. Say, well, I'm reading my Bible, I'm, I'm, I'm saying prayers every day, I attend church services, I even go to Bible study. Where's the fruit? Man, we need God to do what only God can do in our life and in our ministry, amen? And you're like, man, God, I, you know, this is what we do. We look at someone else who's very fruitful and we think, man, that's a super Christian. No, that's another just dirty sinner saved by God's grace, man. But just like God doesn't know them after the flesh, you don't know them after the flesh, you think this person's a superstar. Man, praise the Lord. View your brothers and sisters in Christ in the best positive life. But let me tell you, they're just sinners saved by grace. And because they're fruitful, well, why, why? Well, because they recognized at one point, they just saw, it pleases God to use weak and foolish cast-offs, despicable things in the world. It pleases God to use them to bring great glory to himself. If God can use anyone, he can use me, right? And then that ought to encourage you. Man, if God can use that Yehu, this brother, this sister in Christ, well, he can use me too. But at the end of the day, the only way that there's fruit is because God greatly blesses. Some of you, you're not fruitful. You're not being blessed because the minute it happens, you'll take credit for it. And, you know, God will use you to win somebody to Christ. And the way you'll communicate that was as well, I had to really sacrifice. I had to, I had to reach deep for that one. Uh, your disciple starts moving forward in faith. God starts using them, right? They actually, be, your disciple becomes fruitful. Well, you know, man, it was a long haul. I, you know, you start talking about everything that you did to pour into that life. What are you doing? You want the credit for the fruit. When in the reality is, is God alone should get all the credit. God alone should get all the glory. Be quiet about your sacrifices. Be quiet about how deep you had to go or how much you had to reach. Be quiet about that. No, instead, give the praise where it's due. The Lord greatly blessed him. Yeah, that man, God saved that cat. He came to Christ. It was amazing. I'm just so glad I got to be there to watch it. Look what God did. See how God is working. Give the glory to the Lord. Look at verses 13 through 16. What's happening here? So Isaac is waxing great, and the lost world hates it. So what are they doing? They're trying to, they're trying to take him down a notch. Um, they're stopping the wells that Abraham oversaw the digging of. So jealousy, the willingness of the lost to do damage. Uh, what are they trying to do? They're trying to take from those that are enjoying God's blessing. In verse 17, there's a dispute over the water. Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, the water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek because they strove with him. So now we know what Essek means. It means strife. And they digged another well and they strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. So we know what Sitna means. And he removed from thence and digged another well and for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. 
And he said, for now, the Lord hath made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Okay, one of the things that you're gonna see when you compare the life of Isaac with the other patriarchs is Isaac is a man of the well, right? He's heading in the right direction and what is he doing? Because he's now moving forward in faith, he's digging for water, don't miss that picture. And he's enjoying wells of springing water. Okay, and there's, there's strife over that. John 4, 14, from Christ we get wells of springing water. Um, but in this case, there was, a, there was a strife for that. Well, Isaac's a man of wells, so he digs another and another. Isaac is a man of wells. Abraham, his father, was a man of altars. His son, Jacob, is called a man of the tent. It's just interesting to see how the Bible describes these men. So the, en- the, the, envies, uh, the envious Philistines, right, the lost world, they don't get how Isaac, everything he does just turns to money. Everything turns to gold, and they just hate him for it. So they're filling his wells with dirt in verse 15. That's what the lost do. John 8, 44, you're in one spiritual family or the other. Jesus says to the religious rulers, <coughs> you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you do. He's a murderer from the beginning. Okay, John 10, 10 talks about this spiritual motivation, right? The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life. I'm come to bring wells of springing water, right? That they might have it more abundantly. And so you're part of one, two, one of two spiritual families. You're either of your father in heaven, and so you're all about finding the water, okay? Bible students, Ephesians 5, water in the word of God pictures what? The word of God. Mm, I lost some of my water right there on my notes. Okay. So there it is, right? There, there's one camp that's working to promote life. There's another camp that's working to hinder life. And when life comes, well, they want to just short circuit it. They want to take it for themselves, right? They don't want to see it promoted or shared. No, they want to see it stopped. Well, there's another spiritual family and he's a thief. His goal isn't life, but it's destruction and death. So what's the right response when you're personally attacked like this? Isaac doesn't fight. He just keeps moving on looking for a place of peace. First Peter 2 verse 19 says, this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God doth ing- uh, toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your, flaw, your faults, ye shall take it patiently? In other words, if you were messing up and perpetrating and you get a beat down, well, there's no glory in that. You got what you deserved, okay? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. It's not fair, but from God's perspective, what's he saying? Well, nobody ever treats me fair, so welcome to the fellowship of my suffering. It's acceptable with the Lord. You wanna, you wanna identify with Christ? Here's a great way, suffer for right doing. So Isaac, he doesn't fight for his rights to those wells. No, he just keeps patiently digging wells. He's not fighting over them. And this further reveals him as a type of Christ who when he was reviled, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. How he handles strife so patiently, right? Strife, Essek, and then opposition, Sitna. Strife and opposition, he just keeps, he just keeps working. 
Uh, there's no time to fight. We're looking for water. And that results in enlargement and peace. Rehoboth means a public square. A public square is where there's room for all. This, there's so much water here, there's no way we can fight for all of it. How did we get so much water? How did we get so much provision and supply? Oh yeah, because our Isaac dug for it. Our Isaac provides it for us. Proverbs 16, seven says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, whenever you're personally attacked, it's very hard to take the wrong. It's very hard. And Isaac, his response to personal attack against his personal interests was just to keep working harder. Just keep moving forward. He just, okay, move on down the valley, keep digging, keep working. He's not fighting for his rights. He's not, now, you know, we contend for the faith. We don't let people misrepresent the Lord. Some things are worth fighting about. But personal attack, personal affront, let that be the Lord's problem, right? I mean, we don't wanna revile, we don't wanna respond, we don't wanna, we don't wanna enter into public strife and debate. Let some, somebody trash talk to you. The Lord heard it, let him defend it. Now, it's hard, okay? I'm, you know, everybody has a fight or flight response whenever danger or conflict arises. I'm kinda wired toward the fight side. I have to, I have a temper, I have to work to follow this model, um, pray for me. You know, this is something that, that, that is a lesson for all of us. We wanna, we wanna identify with Christ. We wanna enter into the fellowship of his suffering. But look at verse 22 again. And notice that the Lord made room. Now the Lord hath made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Only God can do that. Only God can make room for us. So what do we do when the world is working to undermine our work in digging for water, when the world is working to undermine the blessing of God in our life, what do we do when the world is, is working to make sure we come up short? Jesus told us in Matthew chapter six and verse 33, all we do is seek God first in his righteousness and then he makes room for us. The only thing that matters is us following hard after the Lord and there will be conflict, there will be strife, there will be difficulty, and we just keep moving up the valley and we just keep doing what God told us to do. Isaac was a man of peace, and so as much as is possible, we should be people of peace as well. Romans 12, 18 says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I mean, you know, I like the way Romans 12, 18 is phrased. Sometimes I, I probably use that as an occasion to the flesh. Well, they, you know, they didn't, they didn't make it possible for me to live peaceably with them. That's why we fought. Uh, no, as much as is possible. Man, if Christ can go to Calvary and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what, what they do. I mean, there is a limitless capacity of po for possibility, right? <laughs> I mean, if, if, if Christ can do that, man, if we're gonna live Christ, we've got a lot of capacity to live peaceably with all men. So here it is, we've been hinting at it, point number four, Isaac uncovers the wells that his fathers had dug, and he dug more. So here's the picture. It's a picture, what's Isaac doing? He's sticking with the example that his father set. So spiritually, we need to stick with the example that our father set. We need to stick with the faith. We need to stick with the doctrine of our fathers because water in the word of God pictures the word. So you know, what's Isaac doing? He's going back to the same wells. He's redigging those wells. You know, typically, doctrinally, 
Um, there, there can always be exceptions because God is all about instructing his people, but you know, doctrinally, if somebody's got some new doctrine that they wanna teach you, just mark it down. If it's new, it's probably not true, right? And if it's true, it's probably not new. That's kind of how that thing works. So stick to the old wells right now. He's, he's digging himself. He, he digs in, he, he's, he's a well digger. Um, and, and why? Because he recognizes the value of life in that water. So get this down. God's truth has to be continually labored after. 2 Timothy 2.15 calls us to be workmen in the word. We're to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We ought to be digging for that water of the word. Hebrews 5, 12 verses, or, yeah, Hebrews 5 verses 12 through 14 talk about us being exercised in the word of God, working out in the word of God. So get this down in your notes. To progress spiritually, that requires labor. If you're gonna make spiritual progress, you have to get to work in the word. Uh, that water's there, but it doesn't just jump in your mouth. You have to dig for it. Right, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, I mean, there's opposition, right? But what does Isaac do? He just keeps digging. So there's opposition. Just know, there's always gonna be opposition to you making progress in the word of God. Isaac doesn't, he doesn't quit digging, and so God blesses him with a breakthrough. He makes room for him. You say, man, every time I try to move forward in faith, it seems like whether it's my flesh or something in the world, uh, something demonic, I mean, God's always, God's always allowing these oppositions to come and these attacks to come, and, and why bother? Well, because he wants to make room for you. He wants you to learn that his ways, his word, the life that he's calling, it's worth it. Just keep digging. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. God promises breakthrough for his children. In this context, the ultimate breakthrough is the resurrection. So in light of everything that God's gonna do for you, right, in light of that breakthrough, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Verse 23, we see declaration over his way. He went up from thence to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And of course, no surprise there, Isaac's servants digged a well because Isaac's a well digger. Okay, so the world may not keep its promises, but God always keeps his. You know, there's only one record of Isaac building an altar, and that's right here in verse 25. Abraham, we see he built five in scripture. Jacob builds four but there was no mention of any altar in Gerar. When Abraham's running to the world for help, you see the picture there, that short-circuited his worship, his devotion to the Lord. Man, it's just, our worship of the Lord is so much better when we're dependent upon him and him alone. Then we see a demonstration of his witness in verse 26. Then Abimelech went, from, uh, went to him from Gerar, and Ahuzah, uh, Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Fecal, the, the chief captain of his army, and Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? You told me to leave, and now here you are. And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee, and we said, Let there now be an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, 
let us make a covenant with thee, and here's the covenant, verse 29, that thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee. Well, you're messing with my wells, but okay, so we haven't touched thee, and as we've done unto thee nothing but good. That's not true. And we have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed of the Lord. And he made them a feast, and they did eat and drink. Notice how readily Isaac is willing to reconcile with his enemies. And they rose up at times in the morning and swear to one another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged, and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. So there it is again, you know, like what we saw in Matthew 6, 33. When we're seeking God first and his righteousness, God makes room for us. More than that, notice the picture, the lost world sees it. Isaac, there's something different about you. God's blessing your life. We wanna be in right relationship with you. So Isaac shows his faith in this last section here in chapter 26 by refusing to strive for the wells that he dug. Right, he put out the labor, he put out the money, he put in the time. Well, he's full of faith. He knows that God's gonna supply all his need, Philippians 4.19. So instead of fighting for his rights, he's seeking peace. And whenever his enemies ask for peace, he's willing to give it. Again, Proverbs 16.7, uh, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So here's Isaac. He's digging a well in Beersheba again even though Abraham had dug it and paid for it in his generation. Uh, it's amazing. And then the last two verses, we see Isaac, you know, man, justifying, uh, you know, how to move forward in the power of the flesh. It just keeps passing on from generation to generation. Here we see it shows up with Esau, so we're gonna call this distress with his woe because it's a D word with a W word. I don't know if you noticed that in the notes, but there it is. Okay, so, and Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Bere the Hittite. Mm. This, this is not heading the right direction. And Bashemath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Remember when it was time for Isaac to get a wife, it couldn't come from the nations surrounding Abraham. It had to be from home. And so here's Esau not following in the footsteps of Abraham for Isaac. Esau's getting, well, he's just getting someone that pleases him from the world. Uh, later on, we find out in the law in Deuteronomy 7 that marrying a Canaanite was forbidden in the law of God. A, a Jewish person could not marry a Canaanite uh, and then we're gonna find out in Genesis 28, he just keeps going, he marries a third wife, and, and he's not looking uh, for God's provision in any of it. So here's what we'll see about Isaac as we move forward. What he's got are two troubled sons. Both these kids have problems. Uh, one's just a flat-out rebel. The other, you know, Jacob's the good Christian kid who's sneaking drugs and sneaking porn and sneaking, you know, I mean, he's just a deceitful little dude, right? Uh, he's got a form of godliness. There's no reality uh, until God changes his life. Um, Isaac, we're gonna find out, has a wife that feels free to deceive him. And I wonder what started that. I think we just saw it here in chapter 26, didn't we? 
Isaac lied about who she was. Oh, this is my sister. You know, can you imagine ladies being Rebecca? You're in a strange foreign place. You got, you got, I mean, a little bit of fear. It's a famine. Everybody's free. You know, anything even remotely goes wrong. And what happens? Costco gets mobbed. I mean, they clean out the shelves. The toilet paper's gone. Can't get toilet paper or wet wipes. I mean, who? Now all of a sudden it's like we're, it's it's going to be Mad Max world. We're going to live like savages. And you know, this is like one of those one of those times, you know, people freak out during these times. And, and, and here's her husband saying, this is my sister. And then later on, she flat deceives him. She lies to him. Well, she helps Jacob do it. But Isaac's a man of prayer. He's a man of peace and he's a hard worker. And God blesses him. He's a man of worship. He's a man of faith. And he's recorded in the Faith Hall of Fame. Hebrews 11, verse 20 says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. At the end of the day, God's got him because Isaac doesn't rebel against the Lord. Man, it's, a, it's an encouraging thing for me to look at these ensamples and see the mistakes and the fears and the flaws and see how God still sustained them and carried them through. Uh, a lot of times I can get tempted to look at my life and I think about all of the failings in my flesh and I think, man, how despicable I must be before the Lord. And then I remember, just like with Isaac, what he started in me, this is, the promise of, this is the promise of scripture. What God has begun in me, he's gonna perform it until the day Christ comes for me. And all things are working together for my good. God's at work, working my life out to make sure it's conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now whom shall I fear? What circumstances shall I fear? What problem is God not enough to deal with? I mean, at the end of the day, am I moving forward in faith? You say, wow, you don't know how badly I messed up. I really, I really stepped in it, Pastor. Okay, repent of that, agree with God over it, and then start moving forward in faith and let God make room for you. Start digging wells, man. Get, get, get plugged in with us, right? Jump in a Bible study. Start that path to growth. Go to the next cost of discipleship class. Join this church. Start studying in LFBI. We've got a new semester starting uh, here next Saturday. Holy smokes, next Saturday, class starts. Uh, jump in with us and start digging for water. Let God make room for you. Your kids need it. You say, I don't have any kids yet. Uh, well, if, if the Lord tarries, man, eventually you'll meet them. That special woman, that special man. Uh, if you're a dude, it'll be a special woman can't believe it, but in 2022, you gotta make these clarifications. If you're a dude, it's a special woman. If you're a woman, it'll be a special man. You're gonna get married, and you're gonna have children, and you're gonna raise them to be a rebellious Esau or a faith-filled Israel. That's what's gonna happen. You're gonna have, there's gonna be one or the other. That's gonna be the outcome. You're making the decisions today. You say, oh man, I raised my kids, and mm, it's not going so good. The best thing your adult child can, I mean, literally, the best thing you can do for your adult child, mom, dad, is to get full of faith and get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the best thing you can do. And start praying. It may take 10 years, it may take 20 years, but that's your kid, and God will listen to your prayers over the life of your child. Pray. But don't play. Don't, 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 don't say one thing, but then live another thing. Get full of faith. Get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Even your adult children will see the reality of who God is in your life. 
And once that's seen, that will impact them. Does that make sense? Like it's to bow. I'd ask that nobody be moving around. There's always somebody that thinks they're the exception to the rule. Kaya, bow your heads, bow your heart, okay? Is there, is the Holy Spirit dealing with you on some, sec, on some section, on some, some verse, some principle out of this passage? Is there, some, is there some point of submission or repentance that needs to be made this morning? Is there, some, is there some decision that you need to make for the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Can I see your hands? Is there anybody like that? Pastor, God's speaking to me and I, and I know what God's calling me to do this morning. Would you pray for me? Let me see your hands. Okay, so there's several. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, pray for me? I don't know that I know the Lord. I don't know that I have him in my life. I'm not even sure that I'm born again. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? Yes, sir, I see you in the back. Anybody else? Yes, sir, I see you in the back. Anybody else, please pray for me. I'm not even sure I have Christ in my life. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm gonna pray. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I just wanna encourage you, don't, don't leave today. Get with one of us and get it settled once and for all. You can know. The Bible says these things that have I written unto you that you may know, right? You can know about your relationship with Christ based on what the word of God says. You don't have to go by your feelings. You don't have to go by your circumstances. You can know based on God's word your relational status with your creator. And so Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name and I lift up these decisions that must be made this morning. Everybody's making decisions whether to reject or to submit to your word. Uh, the Spirit is speaking into hearts and lives and everybody's deciding whether or not they're gonna agree and submit or just keep making excuses and keep moving forward, going away that's right in their own eyes. And God, I'm praying that we'd be done with that, that Lord, we'd recognize how worthy you are, how glorious you are, and you're not just our creator. You didn't just create, it, create us and then cut us loose. Uh, Lord, you're a good father. And so Lord, help us to submit to your word this morning. Lord, for the three gentlemen, uh, may, no, the four gentlemen that raised their hand and said they're not sure that they're born again. God, I pray that today would be a day of repentance of sin, that today would be a day of faith in Christ as the sufficient Lord and Savior, as sin bearer, that they trust in his death, burial, and resurrection as God's solution for their sin, which separates them from you. God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, and I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.